Hey everybody, welcome back to Bikes and Big Ideas on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm David Golay, the bike editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Okay, so my guest this week on the show is Emily Siegenthaler, the newly appointed rep to the newly formed Downhill Riders Association, who is on the show to talk about the association itself, why the riders decided to band together to form one, and how they're going about just advocating for their own interests and those of the sport to the UCI and Discovery, the new organizing body for downhill World Cup racing going forward for the next quite a few years. And along the way, we get into it about rider safety, track design, concussions, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And of course, a bit about just what we can expect for the 2023 season, because I think a lot of folks, myself totally included, have felt pretty in the dark about what we're going to expect from this upcoming season of the downhill racing that we've loved to watch. So this is a very cool and I think very informative conversation, and we'll get right to it in a moment. But before we do, just want to do another quick reminder to folks to check out our Blister membership and all of the benefits that you get from it, including some really good discounts on bike gear, skis, and a whole bunch of other cool stuff, as well as the ability to send us an email and chat about whatever new gear purchase you might be considering to get dialed in on the best stuff. We've been helping people out for a long time, think we're pretty good at it, and we have been setting people up with a bunch of cool new bikes of late because stuff is coming back into stock, bikes are available, and we're just getting people set up with what they need. So check out the Blister membership, we've got a link in the show notes, and we'll get you squared away with the right gear for you. And with that, let's get right to my conversation with Emily Siegenthaler. Well, Emily, it's great to have you on. Thanks for taking the time to sit down and chat. How are you today and where are you today? Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm at home right now, so Switzerland. We had a, a few busy weeks um, going to World Champs and um, World Cup Finals, and I was in Whistler before that, and also uh, all the races overseas. So, yeah, it's, it's good to be at home and... Um, chill for a little bit even though there's a lot of stuff in the garden that needs to some some love so <laughs> no it's just good to be at home and um and uh, yeah get a break a little bit from traveling yeah it's been kind of still a pretty busy season for you even though you're no longer racing the full circuit so um yeah i'm sure nice to sit down and have a little bit of downtime but as we'll get into here it's like it's kind of been a fairly active retirement, I suppose we could say for you. And uh, the main topic at hand right now is your new role as the one of the rider reps for this new downhill racers association that's come together. And so just wanted to talk about that and what you hope to get out of it and all the rest. So I guess just to kick it off, I'd love to hear you tell us a bit about what the new association is and what the impetus for forming it was and why you all decided to get together and make this association happen. Well, it's like, as I guess it kind of started beginning of this year where I wasn't really a part of the process at the beginning because obviously I retired, like you said, and I'm still at the races, but I'm not an active rider. So um, for me, the decision that I'm going to, be made in the future like when when everyone like saw that um red bull is not going to be the broadcast anymore and like um discovery channel and and the uci are partnered together the riders started to like think about um the changes that's going to be made and we heard a lot of rumors and also maybe saw an opportunity to like do a change and maybe have more of a voice you know it started really from um I think it was Loic and Finn talking together and maybe other people but like um it started like probably a conversation between between them and then I tried like um make a meeting happen with all the riders and that was like a big thing I don't think it ever really um did happen in the past at 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 least not when I was riding since 15 years not like all the top riders would like have a meeting in one room 
So that was already pretty cool. The first one I wasn't part of because obviously I was like, well, this is a writer's meeting. Like I'm not a writer anymore. So I'm just going to let them meet. Um, and then um, for the second one, which was in Andorra, um, Loic asked me to come because he was like, yeah, we, we need a representative. And I know some people want to do it, but they are like maybe team managers or like have not enough time and like live really far away and like maybe you'll be a good fit and I was like okay I'll just come and listen to to everyone saying things and um I think the motivation behind it was like to be able to have a big group of writer having like a conversation and get like together to like have one like one common um idea about a topic and um yeah, if like 50 writers think the same thing should happen, then it's like a, a lot of more weight than if it's just like one or two writers that say something. So that was the motivation behind it. And um, yeah, I guess I I went to the third meeting, which was in Montserrat as well. And you could see there that there was some tension. Sometimes people were not really on the same page. Um, and it was kind of hard to like for everyone to meet and like get stuff done like when people are together so to try like figure out a way and we did like a whatsapp group and um i kind of like like told me oh you're just gonna help and do the surveys hopefully you're elected so you can actually like do some work and and yeah that's what happened so um people voted on who's gonna be the rep and then nico and i were elected and a little bit by default because there are a lot of little people that could do it but I think it was also a good fit and I made the survey and so people saw that I was actually doing something so they're quite like happy to like have me and Nico representing them yeah so I don't know like mostly like safety stuff first like drag safety try to like get reports about the races what worked what didn't work yeah, it makes a lot of sense that you'd want to just have the riders come together and have a more unified voice to express whatever concerns they might have. Because one of the things that's sort of come out of this for, I think, me and a lot of the general public listening to these conversations is just a better understanding of how little input the riders have historically had with the UCI, and with the governing bodies and the organizers of the races, just in terms of things like track safety being a big one. And uh, as you know, I understand it, at least it's been pretty hard for you all to make your concerns heard. And so just getting folks together so that you can speak together and have a bit more weight behind those makes a lot of sense. That seemed like a fair summary of it. Yeah, for sure. Like, And I think also the timing was important because as the change is happening, there's also opportunities for like a better dialogue since the beginning with new people. And uh, it's not that the dialogue wasn't good before. It was just like um, with the UCI, like back in the day, there's um, there's always like a UCI technical delegate for like the tracks. And this person has to take care of like cross country tracks, downhill track and B zone and like safety in the B zone. And like, it's a lot of things to do and riders don't know that like they just blame the uci track delegate if something is not like perfect and um when you actually get into the stuff like when you go with them at the uci track walk, you can see like there's a lot of little details that maybe he like oversees because he has so many things to do and if we hear it's like oh that would be important and he's like okay we do that and um like just having someone else like representing the riders to actually have the time to do this because I don't know if there's a lot of riders that just, just during a race week want to like spend the energy and time doing stuff like that because like you don't want to you want to focus about your race you don't want to like write track reports like in the evening you know so I totally understand that um but as well I understand the UCI side because uh, if you have so many things to do and like riders come and they complain about little stuff you're like come on like I've tried my best with the means that I have here and 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 you guys are never happy so I, 
it's kind of like seeing both sides as well and try to like calm the riders down and say okay like we try everything with no means we have like some riders will be like two days before the race they'll be like okay you go get a digger and you do a brand new berm like <laughs> some like in theory like could be something that the riders would demand and you're like come on like that just can't be done if you're not happy with the berm, you should go two weeks in advance and say, okay, this berm needs to be shaped that way. And then Nico Mulali can help with that because it's a strike builder, you know, but like you want to do, trying to like change things and like get like a system that works better for everyone. Right. It totally makes sense that that would cut both ways a bit. Right. I mean, as a, I can totally imagine that it'd be easy to, as a racer to show up and have things that were not working great and just be like, oh, the UCI is a mess, but it's not like putting on these races is a simple task, right? There are so many moving parts and so many things that have to get organized that it's unreasonable to expect that it's all going to be perfect right from the jump. And so just having a better dialogue both ways and better communication can presumably only help kind of iron those things out more ahead of time so that they don't become an emergency at the last minute. And I'm sure it's also hard just having this group of racers who live all over the world and kind of only come together at the race weekends or race weeks where you have this fairly limited window when everyone's actually in the same place and looking at the track and all kind of coming together for that stuff, particularly like you said, because you trying to get prepped for the race and you got a job to do there. It's not like there's a lot of extra bandwidth and time to go be doing other stuff. And so just sort of pooling everyone's resources and kind of doing some more collective advocacy seems like a very sensible way to go about it. And so you've already mentioned safety sort of generally, but I'd be curious to hear you go into some more detail about what you sort of see as the top priorities or top things to focus on. And obviously, again, you've touched on this a little bit as well, going into this new relationship with discovery and the change of organizing it does seem like an opportunity to sort of start from a, from square one and have the sort of existing means of communication and the way the two different organizations interface be kind of started anew. And so what are you focusing on as the things that you really want to make a priority in this new dialogue and as you kick things off with discovering this new partnership? Yeah, so I think it's like, there's stuff that we know didn't work last year. They were definitely trying to like evolve because there's two sides. There's sides of ESO, but there's also side of organizer. And we've seen in the past that, um, for example, in Andorra this year, it's not because the UCI or like someone demands something that the organizer is going to do it. Some organizers like deliberately this year ignored like safety issues that were like um, demanded. So. <laughs> this is like another problem but I guess like you could still like try to like when I'm working on like a safety checklist with like all the stuff that happened this year that wasn't like ideal and try to like um, communicate it to ESO and and so that they know okay this was this problem at this venue and it's not only safety in that point, it's like really simple stuff that could be like easily made better. And the riders would like really appreciate, like, I don't know, end of bathroom. Like this is simple end of toilets, just not one open toilet at the start, because we know that this plastic toilet is going to stink after two minutes. And there's like, at quality, there's 250, 300 riders that needs to use it at least once. So simple stuff like that. Um, enough warm-up space if it rains like it seems like it could be like really simple stuff that should be not a problem but it it is a problem at most events so and then safety wise um is a very general term but it can uh, mean a lot of things from like really track specific things like um like pole placement or like making the track like less dangerous by um, slowing it down in a very like um, smart way I would say maybe like make some jumps safer we've seen in the past that Leo Gang finished jumped um, when that year when Remy Theron had a really really bad crash on it and like landed in the hospital was knocked out that the riders demanded that that jump been like I don't know like 
the landing should like be flattened or something because it's really windy and nobody did something until Remy had that big crash so that was like ages ago so stuff like that um obviously when you go the goal will be let like, you go before when like the work on the start starts happening that um Nico and I could have like a, a say in how it should be done so like that would be a big thing um another another thing that could be really important and I think ESO is really having talked to Chris Ball um a bit more than a week ago I think ESO is really focusing on that as like the whole like concussion aspect and um having like a medical unit at the at the race and someone that's like has concussion protocols in place which is not the case right now so I think we will see it has not been a lot of communication I think but I've heard good like not promises but good things from from Chris Ball I think it's going to be a lot of changes on that and um, there's going to be another meeting working group meeting during this winter probably so we maybe hear more then but um it's definitely something that the riders are going to discuss um, this winter and try to get that checklist refined and um, go with that checklist to ESO and see um, what's already on their list because I think safety is something that they value a lot. So that's that's um, that's a that's a very good point. Right. I mean, it's certainly good to hear that it's front of mind for them as well. And uh, I mean, you lightly alluded to Andorra this year that ramp at the finish was just absolutely terrifying to watch the race on people coming so close to clipping the side of it and it was just a mess and so i'd be curious for you to pull back the curtain a little bit more and kind of talk about you alluded to in a lot of cases the organizers just kind of building the track and you show up and as a racer and like this is it here you go like do you what do you know about what the process tends to look like for sort of oversight of the track building and prep more advanced of the race because are they getting feedback from a lot of people ahead of time or how does that all work as someone who doesn't really have a very good picture of it in in the case of andorra this is literally nuts like in the case of andorra they had a test event there which was a catalan spanish cup and so a lot of good riders went there and um it was very windy so a lot of people had rolled the jumps. So they put flags there, blah, blah, blah. We knew that when there's going to be an issue there because it's like, there's no trees really high in altitude. It's like not in the trees for most of the, the, the top track. So it was like kind of scary. And then it was all these bridges and these bridges had rubber matting on it and it was like really hot. So the rubber matting was just like, kind of like being really soft and like slippery. And also the bridges are not only like flat bridges, they were like, they had a 90 degree turn in them, most of them. And then there's the finish thing as well. And like for most of the bridges, like all the people, all the riders there gave feedback, like Anja Suarez, which like one of the fastest riders in the world and also speaks the language there. And he was like, okay, this and this and this doesn't work. Like you guys need to change it. And to my knowledge, it was unhelpful to me, like they didn't change anything. Like they were like, nah, we're not gonna change it because the architect who is on the bridge said it's the way it is gonna be, blah, blah, blah. And I think there's like some kind of like reason for an ambulance to get to the places they need to get like under the bridge, if you know what I mean. And not like, usually there's like tape and like in Leger, there's a road that's crossing. So they didn't do a bridge there. They just like put marshals there and they're like, kind of like deal with the traffic. And that's a road. So like cars go through it. So that's way harder than having one ambulance crossing the track, you know? So, I mean, to me, it wouldn't be a big of like, there's like thousand tracks where there is like crossings like that. And it's kind of working, but like a bridge seems a good idea to them. And for the ride, it's just like so dangerous to ride. And especially the finish thing was just like, it's not even like the, the drop looked horrible. The riders, it was horrible to jump. The riders look horrendous. They're like head banging to the, the tarmac because you're almost landing on a tarmac. And then 
in the race, the mats started coming off, obviously. And you could see the riders like chipping off the mat more and more and more. And of course we were like, if someone's is going head first in the tarmac, this person's going to die. Like it was really scary to watch. So and the UCI guy tried to do his best and try to like run on the track, try to get the Mac back. And this is all fixing, you know, like, and that's why people are trying to like avoid to make a finish idea that looks good, that the riders love to ride. Like you do a big job, like do it, just make a dirt landing. And like, you know, like it's, it's not like, it's not very hard. It's just like you need it needs a little bit of thinking from a rider's perspective and not from an architect bridge builder perspective. <laughs> and that's a little bit of a problem here, try to like be heard. And I think if only one rider says something, if Angel so has come to the guy and says, This is what I think is best, the guy's not gonna listen. But if he says, Okay, there's a top 40, like 45 riders, the best riders in the world say this is shit, you need to change it. If not, the riders might not turn up. I guarantee you the guy is not going to be like, oh, no, we're not going to do it. Right. Having it all just organized such that you can have the whole group of top riders all voice an opinion in a more unified way and have just a framework in place so that there is the line of communication for those folks to get together and voice a collective opinion makes a ton of sense. And I'm makes a lot of sense to me, too, that it would be hard to... In the case of something like Andorra this year, you show up, there's some significant problem with the course. Just if you haven't already put in place this organization to have a way for everyone to come together and express their concerns, then just doing it on the fly and having a whole bunch of people express that opinion together without some pre-planning would be much harder. So that makes sense. And I, I guess I'd be curious, is there anything sort of beyond just having being able to go to the organizers and say this association of the however many top riders is collectively voicing their opinion that this jump doesn't work or whatever it might be. What do you imagine as sort of the, the next steps for how you would actually kind of work with them and try to make a change from that point rather than just again saying like, is there more that you can do beyond just saying it's not just one rider complaining. It is the whole cadre of people or mm-hmm. what, you know, what would you do with that? Um, well, it's kind of like, it's, it, it's kind of hard to like imagine because it, we're all only at the beginning, you know, from this whole process. So we only like now um, just started this association and like try to figure out which channel to use. And like, if I'm talking to like, um like ESO um like maybe I can go through them and then we'll have their people like we don't know exactly like how it works but um we need to get like organized if like I will be willing to help or like Nico will be able to help maybe to during the season go in advance and see the track and help there or um but it's like because it's a new organizer it's kind of hard to like um know what their process is going to be you know but the goal is to like communicate as much as possible with them so we can figure out the way to help in the most effective way. And if they have a crew that know what they're on about and we, they don't need, they just need us to give like written feedback and we don't need to go, it's fine as well. It just need to like be effective, you know? So that's what I mean by your question is because we've never done this before and we never really like, it's also a new broadcasters, new people, and um there's not a lot of information now everything is going to work um is the uci going to still have uh, a technical delegate on the track or is eso going to have their people like it's not really like very like known yet so this is something we're going to have to figure out on the fly and now we are just finished the season so the first step for the association to get all the information from this season that we have on a track feedback chat and like get it all together and like sent it sent out to like ESO and the UCI and then they can like see all the stuff and if they need help like we'll gladly try to like be there 
and gather some more info from the writers. But um, yeah, it's just like step by step. I think they're working flat out to get everything ready and like work on, on different aspects. And I've heard that they're like a company that try to do a lot of research on different sports, what works, what doesn't work before they say anything about it, a subject or a topic or something, which I understand because you want to be able to like react with like like actual facts you know so um yeah i can we can imagine all different ways but in a sense it's not also my vision it's the vision of the writers so the right it's also the writer's job to talk together you know and like and i think like the writers are pretty um tired right now and it's on vacation before they can talk like think about next year you know what i mean <laughs> oh, of course yeah and mm. you know we're we, season has just barely ended so if, of course it makes sense that you'd want a little bit of time to get a reset first i would also be curious to loop back to what you touched on about concussions just a little bit are you imagining that there might be something like the kind of concussion spotter third party person like you see in some other professional sports where you've got someone who is neither the rider or involved with the teams being in charge of saying, no, I'm concerned that this person has had a head injury. I'm going to say that they can't race this weekend to sort of take that decision out of the hands of people who maybe have a bit of a conflict of interest there, or I don't want to put words in your mouth. I guess I'm curious to hear what you have in mind for what you might be doing on that front. Yeah, I think that's the goal to have like um, a concussion specialist that's totally independent from the teams and that would be a great step for the riders to be able to like I don't know how is it gonna work like if a rider has a crash like is it gonna be um, the marshal's duty to report the crash and say this person like crash on the heads to the, the head marshals and this person needs to go to the bottom and see okay number 52 had a big crash on the head they need to go to concussion protocol because it could also be that person crash on the head and can nobody sees it. And if the person doesn't go to concussion protocol, well, you know, it's just, it's also the rider's responsibility then. So I don't know exactly how this is going to work, but um, it could be an option. Um, that's, um, I think, ESO takes safety and like also concussion protocols and stuff like very seriously so i think there's going to be some hopefully some improvement in that aspect for next year uh, like i said it's not be communicated until it's like pretty certain that's going to happen so um i understand that 100 percent. but uh from what i've heard um and also talked to with um with dso people it could be a big improvement for next year and I think it's only time that that um, happened because we've seen too many people actually racing with concussions or like symptoms um, in the past, especially this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is something that we've talked about with a few athletes on the podcast here too, that there's definitely some room to have a better system in place and keep people a lot safer that way. So that seems like a super positive development. I'd also be curious to hear you talk a bit about just the general sort of starting point of establishing communications with discovery and the new organizing groups and sort of how that's going and how much of a picture you have of what next season is really going to look like, even if you can't necessarily share all of it publicly yet, you know, from the perspective of the general public here, it seems super unclear. And we really have heard so little about what next season is even going to look like that. I'm curious how that feels from your end of things. Yeah, so the communication, well, it's just just started because um, we only made, um, like, in Val de Sol, I asked the writers, I was like, okay, we need to maybe do a press release about this because talking to other team managers, like, there's a lot happening, like, in this month or the next month. Um, and then we kind of need to be, like, ESO needs to be aware that this association exists and that it is like getting organized and Nico and I are the reps. So we did a pingback article and, and then, yeah, that was the first thing. And then 
Chris Ball called me. I emailed him uh, to say the article is out and it would be good to talk and blah, blah. And then he called me the day after, which was, yeah, pretty fast. Um, and then we had like a good hour conversation, but it didn't really give me a lot of infos of what next year is going to be. And I think um, for that aspect, maybe team managers know more because obviously they need to plan the season. They need to like see how much budget they have. Like they, they need more information. And um, for now, like all the meetings, like the working group meetings, that's why actually we did the article because there was a working group meeting on Tuesday of Aliso and we weren't invited because obviously we weren't like kind of like legit or like announced. So I knew that the two UCI delegate and UCI representative, which is Miriam Nicole and Greg Mina, went to the meeting and they didn't really report from the meeting. So I guess we just then were like, okay, they're like busy racing and stuff. And then we asked them and then um, Greg said a few words about it and said he's going to like maybe get into more details the Monday after the race. But um that was a little bit the issue maybe like in the years past as well that when two riders are doing this job or like being UCI representatives is a bit different because they touch on regulations and you just go to meetings and like like go through some of the new regulations that might be done in place or like and then you just have to vote but there's other people in the commission that have like not really not not much about downhill so it's not sure how much weight you have. And especially it's just two people that represents two opinions. It's not really like the representations of everyone. And so um, that was something that communication was, it's a bit tricky because you don't want to be like, if people be like, yeah, but is there already two representative of the rider? And it's just like, it's not quite the same. And it was something that we tried to like explain in the article. And <laughs> he was like, I had to get it redone so many times because I was like, I don't want to have a problem with Greg Minar, okay? He's just like, a, yeah, it's just someone that has a lot of experience and seen it all. And um, I know that the communication between the two reps and the other writers were kind of like bad and didn't really flow very well. And that's why maybe we're trying to like change things and have someone that has more time to maybe do all this work and be kind of like the missing link between the Riders Collective and the two UCI reps. But yeah, as as it was tricky. It was tricky and we had, Nico and I had a good conversation with Greg and we um, figured things out. And now we kind of know what the, the association is going to focus on and what the, the UCI reps are going to focus on. And I also have another phone call with the athlete commission's president, which is Katrina Nash, who is like a known um, cross country and cyclocross racer, who's going to explain to me as well a little bit the, the differences and the stuff, how it works really, because it's all a process. Like it's, um, it's a complicated structure you know, and it's going to change also because ESO and UCI is going to work differently than Red Bull in UCI. Um, but yeah, we're figuring it all out and try to like um, everyone doing the best job and try to like get ready for for next season, which we still don't know if it's going to be like top 30 final, two finals. Like we're still a little bit in the unknown with this. Um there's one thing that I can tell you that was asked from the riders if you want to keep it top five podium or if you're going to go back to top three podium. And that was a question from ESO because obviously they want a top three podium because every sport in the world has top three podium except us. And we're, the riders were like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously because we love it and I think it's a better representation of the sports and it gives motivation to the younger riders to try to get up there. And statistically, there's so many more people that did top five than top three. So it's just like, gives it a little bit of like more representation and for the your sponsors and stuff. So yeah, glad to hear that's at least hopefully sticking around. 
Well, Chris Bell told me if you, the riders really want a top five podium, I might, I might have to keep it. But like for, from a TV point of view and like a, a, like a media point of view, it doesn't make any sense, which is not really agreeing because I think top five podium is just like stick this five podium, five people spraying champagne and it's just making more festive and, and like people are stoked to be on there. And I think maybe in a journal people would just like crop the sides but, but um but yeah like i think it makes down and the cross-country riders as well like the cross-country riders are even more like so to keep it and i talked to yolanda and i was like yolanda was like we need to keep it she was like calling me like you need to do something about this and i was like i didn't even hear about this yet so yeah um there's a lot of like people stuck talking together and, and I think that's a good thing. And, um, there's going to be more conversation about other stuff, uh, in the near future, like media rights, like, I don't know, like financial aspects that we don't know about that might come up, but for now I can't be, I don't have a lot of information and I'm just waiting to see what happens and react to it. Right. That makes sense. But I mean, it's just good to hear that there are, these lines of communication being opened up and hopefully that all comes together to be just something that works better for everybody. So glad to hear you're working on it. And that all seems great. Are there any other particular changes that you are advocating for or conversely, are there any other changes that you think might be coming that you are hoping to head off? Um, well, we had like um, we put the riders to a vote concerning like redu reducing the number of riders in finals, and the riders were clearly against it, like reducing sixty and fifteen. I think the voice of the riders were even like to like maybe go to top twenty girls again, and not fifteen. Um, so that was like a thing that the riders were not um, keen on. We, we're still not sure if that's going to be the case. From a TV broadcast point of view, it could be obviously beneficial. And you don't, you want to be your, you want to be like part of the sport as broadcast as well. You don't want to like have it and see like, don't know, like 15 seconds of a rider, you know, because you want to like have 80 riders out there. And, and I get that because um, this year I commentated two races on national TV, like Lenza Heide and Worlds on the Swiss national TV. And then you get to see the broadcast. So um, the broadcast showed at Worlds, the broadcast show everyone for the ladies. It was like 36 women. So for the first riders, you, you actually seeing the start and the finish jump line. And that's all you see. And Unlucky for this year, the jump line at the bottom in Beger was pretty hard to jump. So <laughs> you were just talking about cases and cases and cases all the time. And even so for the boys, like it was just like the same. They couldn't judge the jumps. So it was, I could understand from a broadcasting point of view, you want to show a longer part of the track, you know, and reducing the field would help do that. But obviously, top 60 is already so hard for the riders that maybe they kind of have to like find another solution and broadcast a bit less people. Or, um, yeah, if you're having more cameras, you need to find a solution to put it all in, make it interesting without like reducing the number of riders too much. So it's a challenging, really challenging thing for ESO to do. And I think um, Discovery has put a lot a lot a lot of money into this so they want to have a good end product you know they don't want to mess it up that's what chris ball said to me and that's also greg said and i think they have so much pressure to make it good that you kind of have to have faith on like they're going to make the sport better you know obviously there's some details that I can work on and like try to like figure out like this podium thing or like other stuff um we want to like save tracks we want to like maybe keep the track length a little bit longer than they wish for because the riders don't want to ride a minute track you know so obviously you want to make it look better so you could go to two two and a half minute maybe 
but then like trying to find a compromise between what the would be perfect for the broadcast and would be perfect for the riders because if you want to keep it the same as it always was it's not going to grow you know what i mean so yeah that's the thing that maybe some of the riders would be reluctant to have but yeah i guess everyone is different you can see also in, in, the, in the riders collective like in the association people have different opinions like some people will love like completely natural trails no man built future like technique hard steep and but natural and so people love like man-made feature because like jumps and berms like you can ride faster so it makes you look cool you know on tv and like it's fun to ride so it's like different different aspects of mountain biking that people like defend so it's like trying to like find a mix a compromise between all this stuff to make everyone happy i guess right yeah i mean no one's ever going to a hundred percent agree on everything. And on that note, I guess I'd be curious how you all decided on who actually gets a vote in the association and how all that's coming together. Where have you ended up on that? And what, what does that look like? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's an important point because in theory, in a perfect world, you want to have everyone on the association, every rider that rides world cups. But we already seen from these meetings that we're just like going around in circles at the end because everyone's just talking, 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 and it was just like too many things. And um, in the meeting in Andorra, Loic and Finn were like, okay, we think we have to reduce the voting pool for this association because it's too complicated to get everyone to vote. And it's already like complicated to have everyone in one room and not everyone is here. So it's just like the older writers agreed that even if they are not in the voting pool, they can like go to another writer or go to the rep and express their concern. And then concern will be um, addressed with the other writers in, in the writers association chat, which represent the voting pool. And then we can, potentially vote on some of the concerns you know but um they were talking about top 30 top 15 top 10 women top 30 men and then there was a survey on that and then um it was voted to top 30 top 10 women top 30 men top 10 women and the junior thing was also a problem because we're like oh do we take junior in not like most of them are underage. We're like, nah, it's a bit complicated. You know, you can't take, it would be like people that's not 18. It's a bit like, and some people are 18. So who do you take? And all the writers were like, okay, um, if Jackson Goldson is not in the, in the voting pool, he has Laurie Greenland, that is, and Nina Hoffman, that is, and Greg Minard, that is. And these three are the syndicates, so they can like, take in what Jackson wants and like represent his interest, you know? Same with like, um, like Remy Smith has his brother that he's in there. And uh, and every junior almost that as a top junior has someone else that is in that voting pool that can like address some of the concern of the juniors. And I think all these writers were juniors, so they know how it is and they're gonna advocate for a better sport and for like defender juniors as well. And that was what was discussed and then decided. And now there's like top 30 men, top 10 women and five wild cards, which represent 45 people. The wild cards are more there for like injured riders. Um, they were like out with the top 30 or the top 10 and like kind of usually are like Tony Cigarette, for example, or, or Reese Wilson like so then 45 riders were decided to be in a voting pool it's already hard enough to get everyone to vote i'm telling you that <laughs> so i think it's a good decision to reduce it a little bit because oh you just like have like a percentage of rider that it makes it just too hard to just like run like just like please answer blah blah it's already 45 is a good number and we start with that and we make it bigger if we 
if the writer think it's necessary to make it bigger, we can work this out. Maybe we will in the future, but it's all the start of the association. So try to like make it this work as it is. And like I said, there's always a way of communicate with me, Nico, or any other writers, and then raise some topics or concerns or issues that the writers might have to these channels. Right. Like you said, none of these things are set in stone. This is sort of the first take at it, and you can see how it works and revisit as appropriate. So, But it makes sense that you would find, need to draw some lines somewhere and not just have the the whole world involved in it and and then for the wild cards are those going to be determined by a vote of the people who are sort of automatically qualified by dint of their standing or how does that work um so it's more like i guess for the women it's really easy because like tani sigir and marin kabiru needs to be in there because they're like top 10 every year since like six or seven years and part of the sport and the big figures of the sport. For the men, um, Reese Wilson is kind of a no-brainer because he was also in 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 the top 30 like the past years. And then for the other two, two wildcards, it was kind of like um, a common decision. It was not a vote because it's pretty unanimous and it was just like have like Kate Edwards who's like very good this season and that until he has his concussion and the fact that he had a concussion also made it interesting for us to have him in the voting group and then Brooke McDonald because of all his knowledge about um coming from an accident and there's several injury in the past and um he's just very valuable to have in there you know from all this experience but I mean there's also like which are like I'm trying to like get an agreement together so that people to sign to make the like this association like kind of legit and people can't really back out of a vote and like you know like also when something gets voted on and it's like pretty unanimous like let's say over seventy percent if someone doesn't really like oh, like acts totally against it like to have kind of a mean to say okay it's not okay you know so um trying to like working on that and get this organized because it was a wish of the writers to kind of make it kind of a contract to get this um all legit and it's like a commitment to the union because obviously already now you can kind of see some people are in this association but like you don't get a vote straight away like you kind of like run after people and say okay the deadline is at 8 p.m please like go and vote <laughs> So yeah, it's just like I know it's end of season and like it's pretty it's pretty hard to motivate the riders after like such an intense time. And I totally understand that. But yeah, it's good to have like the riders commit to something and like sign a paper and say, okay, you're now part of this for a year. And it's not like it's like out of respect for the riders that are not in that voting pool, please like take this responsibility to like do your job, you know? Yeah. That that makes a lot of sense that you'd want to have something a little bit more formalized so that kind of impress upon people the, like you said, the responsibility that that entails because you are acting as a representative of the rest of the riders who don't have the privilege of being in the top 30 or top 10 as it might be and being there. And um, I think, yeah, responsibility is the right word. There's, there is one there to act in the best interest of the sport and the rest of the riders and it's important to take that seriously. So I think that's just been a really good rundown and I'm very excited to see you putting this together because like I said, I think it's an important development and I'm obviously like a lot of folks just eagerly waiting for more news about what the next whole bunch of seasons are going to look like going forward because I've, you know, mountain biking's obviously a big part of my life and I've loved watching the races for all these years and uh you know i i think your point earlier too is also right that change is scary and we've had it very good under the red bull years as viewers at least but there's just so much momentum and money behind discovery and all the rest that you have to pretty high hopes that they're going to take this seriously and really make something good out of it and uh we're all 
excited to see what comes of it. And I'm just glad to see that the riders are getting together to really have a better say in what that looks like, because I got a lot of confidence in you all to really advocate for positive changes and make some good stuff happen. So glad to see it happening and really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and run us through it. No problem. Yeah, I think it's a, an important step. But yeah, like I tried to say before, like, I know I'm like the person to do interviews and stuff because obviously I'm with Nico, we're the representative, but, um, and I'm, I try to do like all the work I can and like all the admin work to like get stuff done. And I'm the communication challenge through the riders and, and like ESO and UCIs as like onto my entities, but it's really like, sometimes it's kind of hard for me to explain that it's actually like, not my vision like I tried and like not put my vision into the mouth of the writers because they are the ones writing and they're like for most of them like quite a lot younger than I am except Greg obviously <laughs> and but like but I there's like kids in that association you know like Luke Mayer Smith is like 19 20 Bali Hull is only 21 you know so it's just like they're kids and that's they are going to be in the sport for like the next 10, 15 years, you know? So it's up to them to like say, okay, we want this for the sport because, because my vision might be already a bit outdated, you know? So I'm just like, try to like get all this, like, um, like feedback from the riders together and try to like give it back to like, um, the higher entities and try to make this like a uh, communication flowing better. And take like the experience of Greg and Miriam and and Loic and these riders, but also like kind of like try to involve like the younger riders and just be like like there for them and try to like represent them at a higher level. But obviously, it's not like my opinion doesn't really matter at that point, you know. So it's just like try to like get through this through the interview because it's really important to me and because I'm like close to like some riders in the field like it that that shouldn't really have like a, an impact on my work as a writer rep. so yeah that's something really important yeah just wanted to say that <laughs> no that's a good note like i kind of said i mean i'm just glad that you all are coming together and taking this seriously and look forward to seeing what comes out of it so thanks again for doing this and for taking the time to chat it's been a good one and i think really informative so thank you no problem all right, that's it for this edition of Bikes and Big Ideas. And if you're enjoying the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts to help keep the show going and growing. I also want to say thanks to Emily for the conversation, thanks to Taylor Ahern for producing the episode, and thanks to you for listening. From all of us at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye, everybody.